Hey guys, uh, thank you for tuning in for another episode of Casually Christian presented by Livestream My Event. If this is your first time checking this out, well, here on Casually Christian, we talk about people's lives, their interests, their passions. So if you like your content, please remember to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Spotify to catch the latest episodes of Casually Christian. Well, you know, today, folks, uh, we're going to talk to a local filmmaker, writer, and actor. He turned his successful play into a movie, and I want to talk about, I want to talk to him how he did it. And uh, he has like a major star in his movie, and he's a really nice guy to talk to, like super talented. And well, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, please welcome Paul Tully to Casually Christian for the first time. Paul, thank you for coming on, man. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. Well, like, excuse my uh, my walls. I'm, oh, I'm don't even worry about it, man. In the house, <laughs> <laughs> just should have put like a poster, you know. Well, that's yeah, cool, man. The movie, I could. Yeah, put... yeah. Shameless <laughs> promotion right there, you know. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> but you know what, man? Like. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, oh yeah, there you go. Is that like my you? My son and my dad. This is like 20 years ago. Oh really, man? Look how mean my son looks. He doesn't look so happy there, right? Because <laughs> we probably had a um, what's it called? Yeah, he had to dress up because boys don't <laughs> right. like dressing up. Man, that's why like like you know girls like to do that stuff. You know, like, ah, yeah, that stuff. was one of those like I was in the military at the time, and my dad said it was one of those free things that like Ralphs they were doing like free photo shoots. Yeah. So my dad's always looking to like save a buck and get a good deal so we went there and my son wasn't happy it was on the way to <laughs> <Vegas> land. <laughs> well you know what like that's the story that you're gonna tell him like he's like older now like well obviously but uh what, yeah what, he, he 24. does he remember that day like does he talk about no i don't think so no. there were many days like that though <laughs> he can remember a lot of those days how funny man well you know what for those who aren't familiar with your work can you tell us what like replica is about like like your career can you tell us about your background yeah sure um that i mean i guess background first you know i was originally born in los angeles in a, a city uh called downey california mm -hmm. and uh my father's from new york and when my parents split i went to new york and uh lived with my dad my sister stayed with my mom so i used to spend the summers out here uh in california so Guess I'm a bi-coastal kid, you know. I kind of yeah. had like the New York and LA kind of upbringing. Um, <clears throat> I, I was in the military. I joined the service in 2001, served till 2005. And when I got out of the service, I, um, I was doing different jobs, you know, trying to kind of find out what it was I wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, I was working in real estate for a while and uh, in jewelry. And uh, I decided to go back to school and use my GI Bill. Mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't know what I wanted to take. I really just, honestly, I just wanted to use my GI Bill before I lost it because you only get so long to use it. Really? But, yeah, at the time. I don't know about now, but at the time, I think you had like 10 years to use it. But mm -hmm. I think now you could pass it to your kids and stuff, which is great. Oh, wow. But, yeah, at the time, I had to use it, and it was like 48 grand or something like that. So I, uh, I went to the community college. I was living here in Downey, and mm -hmm. I went to Rito's. And, and, you know, I was just looking at stuff to take. I didn't really know. And I seen a theater class and I used to act as a kid more as a hobby in New York. Mm -hmm. uh, grew up in Greenwich Village. And yeah. uh, if you're not familiar with Greenwich Village, it's a, it's a lot of artists. I went to school with Scarlett Johansson when we were kids. And, oh, really? Uh, yeah. So it's a lot. A lot of people come from that neighborhood. My family's like five generations in that neighborhood. So it's really expensive to live there. But we have rent control. My dad's a. A, a working class person. So I was fortunate to be able to live in that community and be introduced to the arts, but I never pursued it after junior high. I just kind of started doing other things and by high school kind of getting in trouble and dabbling in like, you know, um, experimental drugs and mm -hmm. things like this. And I just, you know, like a lot of young people do. Um, so anyway, fast forward to um, I go back to school and I, I seen an acting class, like a theater class. 
And yeah. I thought, wow, man, acting. You know, I've always been in love with film and cinema. I just never really seen myself doing it. And I took a class there and I fell in love with it instantly. I fell in love with uh, with acting. Is Did you take the class with uh, John, I can't pronounce his last name, but John, like his first name is John. John Duran. Yeah. yeah. No, I no, think, I mean like the teacher, oh, the teacher. Oh, John Zamora. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think my first acting class I think was with John Zamora, I believe. And it was like John Zamora. There were like three professors that stick out in my mind, but John Zamora, um, um, uh, oh my goodness, now I'm going, uh, uh, Kenny, uh, I'm trying to think the last name. Oh, forgive me. It always yeah. happens, like when the camera turns on, like you're so yeah, yeah, then you go to your head, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but anyways, uh, it'll come to me as we're talking. But yeah, yeah. I took the class there. And uh, really what did it, was um when I really knew I had a place in, in in this in theater. I wasn't really a classical theater type of person. I wasn't really intrigued with Shakespeare and these types of things. But uh, someone in the class handed me a Stephen Adley Gerges play, and they said, "I think you should read this." And I fell in love with Stephen's writing, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, it was a play called Jesus Hops the A Train. It's about, you know, it takes place in New York. Uh, Stephen's a native New Yorker, and he, he writes definitely for urban, um, you know, uh, contemporary actors. And, uh, you know, and now, I mean, I have a friendship with him. I mean, things have blossomed in life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very serendipitous. But that's when I really knew, like, I wanted to pursue it. Yeah, like yeah, like I, that's where I met my my buddy John Lance from in, in that acting class, and that's how he introduced me to you. And you know what's so strange? Because the first time I met you was at a bar in Long Beach, and you were talking to John, and he's mm -hmm. like, "Yeah, we have to create our own opportunities because like Hollywood's not going to hire us. We have to do it on our own." And here oh, you wow. are, like ten years later, and I rem I very I remember that conversation with you. And here you are, ten years later, and you directed a feature film, which is like it's a, it's an endeavor. It's like it's something like it. It's really hard to do, you know, like it's just like it's Stanley Kubrick said that making a movie is like writing poetry in a roller coaster. It's just like it's rocky. You're trying to, you know what I mean? And then for you to accomplish it and you have like a name star in it is it's, you know, congratulations is what I'm trying to say. You know, thank you. Thank thank you. Wow. What a what a great story, man. I I, I want to say, yeah, I remember that night. I, I don't it's long but, ago. <laughs> no, but I love that you said that. And um yeah yeah i think my narrative has been the same since day one you know and i brought a lot of um my 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 you know i try to bring i mean we are who we are right we grow yeah. and we adapt and we yes. change as we go but the truth yes. is i believe your authentic self is what comes out in most of your work and all my experiences from childhood and and things that happen in the street and, and, and then being able to get into the military and then 9-11 happening and then going mm. overseas and all these experiences I was able to bring into our little, you know, we formed the theater company out of Cerritos, Urban yeah. Theater Movement. That's, yes. that's really what launched like doing that. And uh, I would bring all, all the positives I had, there were negatives and, and there were, you know, um, lessons I had to learn with a lot of egos and arguments and things that went on with the company, which happens yeah. with every theater company, which is what makes us. I think I was able to put forward into and continue to do that as, yeah. as, as we grow. So. And can you tell us uh, the story of Replica? Can you tell us like, what is that all about? Like, um, you know, sure. Sure is. yeah. Sure. So what happened with Replica was, um, so yeah, it's based on a lot of um, um, experiences in my life that I cinematically made into a story, right? But what happened was I have I have the theater company and uh, I was a uh, acting artistic director at the time. This is in 2015, and we had this uh, very high uh, high I don't know a great writer, uh, but also very big in the business. Uh, He's written huge projects on Netflix and feature films. He had joined our company, and he's from New York. And we we, we began a friendship and a, a professional relationship. And uh, when he joined the company, um, I decided I wanted to produce one of his plays called mm -hmm. Handball. And um, it was about gentrification in New York City. So we, we did the play in L.A., and then it got taken to New York. We went on tour, and it, it was an incredible experience. Um so 
when we decided to produce the play, he said, hey, you know what? Let's do a fundraiser. I have an idea because we were trying to raise money. It's theater, you know, yeah. so you're always trying to raise money. So he said, why don't I teach a writing class for the theater company? And we're charging 100 bucks, and any member could take it. It's a six-week class. And by the end of the class, everybody will write a one-act play. And then I'll just donate all the money towards oh. producing the play. Yeah. So I was like, that's a great idea. Like, you you do that? You know, because, I mean, this guy's like, you know, a pretty big deal. He said, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. So that's what we did. I had no interest in writing. I just was like, well, I guess I got to take a class to set an example. Yeah, like, of course. I'd be the artistic director. And not take so I took the class. And um, he said the first night we talked and he said, uh, about I want everybody to go home. So for anybody that, that might be interested in writing that or doesn't think they're interested, but give it a shot. Basically, this simple thing and a whole story came out was go home, start with a page, pick two characters, one location, doing an activity that you can help you with. Mm -hmm. That was it. So um, I went home, sat in my kitchen, and my girl was in the living room doing something, and uh, and I just started writing, and I started with me and one of my uh, best friends, back, you know, back in the day, Paul, in a motel room, and I was weighing up uh, methamphetamines. I was weighing drugs. Yeah. And then a dialogue started, and, and that's that's it. It just started flowing out of me, man. And every week I get, you know, three more pages, four more pages. And, uh, by the end, I had a one act play. And um, we produced all the plays like in like two nights, like it was like two nights for three weeks, like each night would be four different plays. And mine went last. And I mean, every night it was like standing ovation, standing up, wow. people falling out of the seat. I never, I was just, it was an unreal experience. You know, um, Malcolm X, uh, his daughter came one night, Ambassador Shabazz, and she wanted to meet me after. She loved it. We had a lot of celebrities came and, um, uh, that's that incredible, man. Yeah, that was the beginning of Replica. And uh, yeah. and how long, at what point did you decide to turn it into like a feature film? Like, did it, did, uh, you know, like name um, movie stars or like, you know, like uh, people who were in the business, were they, were they pushing you to write into a movie? Kind of. What happened was I went to New York to take an acting class and, and do a play. I was taking a class in New York. Um, I was uh, studying with Maggie Flanagan. Uh, and a friend kept pushing me. She was here. She kept pushing me to write the full length play. So when I got back to LA, we did that. Then did the play, and it was in one of the runs of the play. All of a sudden, word got out. So like the whole cast of This Is Us and a bunch of different network TV shows, and and just started coming to the play again. Celebrities started coming, and they would like add me on Instagram or send me DMs and be like, Hey, I really loved your play. So a manager came that was repping one of the actors and uh, called a meeting with me. He seen the play and uh, he called me for a meeting in Beverly Hills. And uh, he said, do you have a screenplay for this? And I said, you know what I, I do? I have a loose one, but like my screenplay was in terrible shape. It was basically just a play, you know? <laughs> so um, he was like, look, man, I want, I, let, let's produce it. So he, he signed me, he represented me and um, crazy. And then, yeah, then about another two years though, went by of developing and I had to write this whole script and, and do readings and readings and, and, and that's what ended up happening. Wow, man. And um, from looking back at it, like what, what do you wish that you knew going into it that you, like, that you know about it? Like something that you didn't foresee and now like that you already went through it, that you already, you had the knowledge to, uh, to, to know that that I should have I should have I should have done something different on your journey to uh, mm -hmm. making that creating that script. Nothing. 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 That was a big learning experience, huh? There's nothing. Uh, it, actually, it's so unreal to me that that this has even happened. And here's the thing: I mean, if you were to ask me if that question was what would I have hoped could have been different. But it's nothing I could have did because I tried. What I hoped that would have happened is when when that manager signed me, mm -hmm. they would actually finance the film or they would have actually took it to a studio to get it financed because I think the film had the kind of chops that if, if we had 
more money behind it or, or a studio behind it or even an independent student. Yeah. Because just so you know, and for the for your viewers to know, man, we financed ourselves. Nobody financed this. Film. I really? raised a million dollars myself. Nobody, like my man, like the company. So even though all these celebrities were like, wow, nobody helped. So, mm-hmm. but I tried. I pitched to them. But the thing is, my script is very racy. You know, it's about yeah. a white supremacist neo-nazi meth dealer and a black trans woman that fall in love so i mean studio nobody really wants to everybody wants to see it but nobody wants to put their name on it yeah cancel culture everybody's scared everybody's like wow if this turns out wrong we're canceled or Mm -hmm. this is so um i think i did everything i interviewed trans directors i interviewed uh lgbtq female directors everybody that took the script wanted to do it and then felt they, they didn't have enough knowledge on that world as far as the crime. And the, yeah. So uh, I just, I didn't want, I wasn't planning to direct. I wanted to be the lead. Mm-hmm. I wanted to act and I yeah. wanted a, a LGBTQT person of color to direct because of the trans situation. Yeah. Um, but it ended up, so what I did was I sent my script to Glad, which is, yeah. Okay, so I sent through Glad. I made sure I went through all the steps that it was approved to do. But um, so yeah, if the question was what would I have hoped happen, it would have been that that I didn't have to raise so much money, and um, people would have just financed it and put a little more marketing behind it. And the way like you finance it, did you do like a like a crowdfunder, or did you like go to different uh, like relatives or doctors? You know, it was like, hey, do you want to invest in this movie? How did you uh, do it? So I thought outside the box mm-hmm. and um, I have uh, somebody close to me who's an entrepreneur and made a fortune in cryptocurrency oh. over the last two years. So they wanted me to come work for them. And um, basically this guy's an innovator and he, he's constantly, um, I don't know if innovators the right word, but he's constantly jumping in on businesses up the ground. So when the pandemic was going on, he had jumped in the home COVID test before they were out. Yeah, I'm talking about in 2020. He was like on it. So he called me and I was really into working out during the pandemic. I gained 60 pounds. I was like really into running like marathons. I mean, like I gained weight during the pandemic. Yeah. Too. <laughs> but, but so he called me, I want to run one day and he said, Hey man, do you, I know you're, you know, you're like one of the best salesmen I've ever met. You know, we known each other our whole life. He said, you want to come sell these COVID tests? I'm making about last month. I made like 130,000. And I said, you made, it was like Wolf of Wall Street. You know, when the guy was like, show me that you made $70,000 last month. I come work for you right now. I don't know if you remember that scene, but so I was like, send me proof you made $130,000. So as soon as he did, I was like, cool, listen, I don't want to come work for you. That's not my passion, but I have this film mm-hmm. that you could finance. And that was my first investor. Wow. Like, That's really like, you know, what's so cool. Like about like the entertainment, like there is no wrong path. Like however you do it, you know, like that's, have that's to how do it's it. done. You know, you have to do it, you know? Yeah. And like back in the day, people used to like, they used to get the money like in the dirty way, you know, like drugs and you know the mob right. and all that. But like, that's another story. But like, there is no wrong path to getting that that money, and that's yeah. that's really that's really remarkable, you know. Yeah, True. yeah. And well, um, drugs. You know what? Don't. It, it's not that. Uh, uh, that wouldn't be a great idea if you knew some drug dealers. The problem is the odds of losing your money in this business are like ninety percent. So yeah. you definitely don't want to borrow from criminals. <laughs> they're gonna yeah. take your legs off. Yeah, they're gonna take my thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I knew, like, no, I definitely don't want to do that. But, but, um, but yeah, yeah. There, there's no, there is no right or wrong way. You know, me, I'm a spiritual guy, man. I believe God puts everything in my yeah. path. I was always taught that um, God helps those that do the footwork, man. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing the footwork and you're you're, you're going towards it. God's going to constantly open doors if your head's in the right place. I believe this film needs to be seen. Whether, uh, I don't know, uh, whether people love it or not, the the message is different. It's Mm -hmm. new. It's original. You've never seen this story in your life. You can't go, oh, yeah, I've seen a story like that before. You haven't. 
There yeah. is no story. The closest thing that's been made to this kind of film was in the 90s. There was a film called The Crying Game, mm -hmm. where a straight guy and a trans, I think they were called transvestites at the time, not transgenders. I believe, mm -hmm. if I'm wrong, I forgive me. But, um, but you know, it had nothing to do with like a gritty Tarantino-esque violent world with a Mickey Rourke. And, you know, it, it, I definitely crossed genres here and brought... Uh, and you know it, it's dark. It's not for everybody. It's yeah. definitely for the fans um, that like stuff like Reservoir Dogs and these kinds of films. You know, definitely. this this is that kind of film. And um, oh, I had a thought right now. Um, I'll, hopefully, I'll, I'll think about it. I'm drawing a blank. But do you believe that um, cancel culture is affecting the way stories are being told right now? That is like, <laughs> oh, we don't want to touch it. You know what I mean? Like, do you do you believe in the same? Where it's like. Uh, go woke or go broke, you know, like if you That's, go woke, you go broke. That, you know what? <laughs> I should say the politically correct stuff right now, man. And um, here's the thing, man. I'm a human being and I believe in humanism. That's it. Bottom line. I believe that there are people that are being marginalized mm -hmm. and they've been marginalized and, and we need to do something about that. I was just given a script. We did a reading of it to direct and it shoots in Mexico, in Puebla. And it's about a woman who immigrates here through a coyote. And I, I did a reading. I cast it on, was it Monday? Monday night. And uh, Tuesday night. I'm sorry, it was Tuesday night. We did a reading. I brought in some great actors. And everybody, nobody seemed to have a problem. The writer, she's Mexican. Her mother immigrated here and her father. And um, one of my buddies called me and he was like, wow, man, that's interesting that you're going to direct this movie. You know, have you thought about this? And I said, have I thought about what? Mm. He said, that's not really your story to tell. I said, in which way? Yeah. And he said, well, you know, it's about a Mexican and, and uh, immigrating. I said, all right. I said, well, one, that's not the story I'm telling as a director. And that's not the conversation I'm having with the writer. She, will, she pegged me because of the spiritual aspects I put in all my films. Mm. Whether you look at my film Atonement, uh, replica, uh, crossroads, you know, all of them have these like undertones that I believe is a Tully style. Yeah. I believe I have my own lane. I have my own style and I'm proud of that. And that's why she's pegging me. It just happens to be about a woman who's immigrating from Mexico. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, yeah, I, I didn't immigrate here, but neither did the writer. <laughs> so <laughs> the writer told is telling me this. She's like, because I told, listen, I had the conversation with her, by the way, before hiring me, like, listen, it might not be a good idea. I don't know if it's for me to tell because of the time, you know, yeah. there's a lot of Latina, Latinx female directors that would love an opportunity to direct. We, I gave five different conversations. Yesterday was our last one. So that's why I laughed when you asked me. And she's like, dude, I want you to direct and I'm conscious of what you're saying. Yeah. It, don't want to take the job, don't take the job. And I said, no, I absolutely want the yeah. job. And I don't know if I'm wrong. I don't know if people are going to go, oh, dude, you're a white male. You you could have gave this job to someone. I'm like, I'm not in that position. And I'm an artist. Yeah. You go first. I'm an artist that's telling a story. I didn't. So, yeah. yeah but, like so, yes, I do think cancel culture is definitely affecting more than just arts. I think it's affecting just the, the the rationality of what's happening with people. I mean, we're so fast to um, just just yesterday. I seen uh, Terrell Owens from the NFL posted a video where a white woman on his street. He was good thing he was videotaping. She like called the cops. She accused him of harassment. Terrell Owens, he is Super Bowl champion, and like this is a major NFL football player. And he's like, "Lady, I'm not following you." Yeah. You've been screaming at me. And I'm like, stuff like that is happening. So I understand why there is a cancel culture. But that that woman's actions, that Karen's actions are, are just as extreme as jumping and canceling somebody because, like, she's attacking him because he's a black man. To me, yeah. that's just as bad as, like, oh, I heard Paul did this. Cancel him. And mm -hmm. it's like, oh. What happened to let's let's figure out what's going on with people first? Yeah, so, I see. Like they're quick to uh, to cancel, you know, quick to judge right away, and um, you know, like uh, talking about like you 
you know, directing a like a, a movie about like an immigrant, you know, like Spielberg, he got a lot of controversy in the 80s when he directed uh, The Color Purple because he was an African-American. He was a Jewish white guy, you know, and uh, that, that wouldn't happen today. Like if The Color Purple came out today, they would not let a white white man direct that movie. It would be like someone of color. Uh, so it's just very strange. I think like people are forgetting like that. You, uh, that we're all human and we all like love like we could identify empathize with the character like that's being that you're trying to direct or portray you know uh and you're yeah. you know like right now uh the recent controversy right now is with james franco because he's playing uh, yeah he's playing uh, fidel castro and everybody's up up in arms i mean i could see the way why they casted him because like well one he's a star and two like he he has the facial features of him but the, I, I could totally see where you know my community you know the Latin community is like it's like there's plenty of Latin actors that could yeah. portray Fidel Castro, but uh, I guess in in the side of the you know the people who are financing the movie they need a star to be in the movie to draw the people in. Uh, yeah, see, I don't understand. I mean, as just producing my own film with it with with a name like Mickey Rourke, I mean yeah. these guys are not cheap, and I, I I'm curious to know who made that call with James. Fr Here's the thing. As much as I'm not for, I, I'm all for actors should be able to act. Um, I mean, Andy Garcia plays Italians all the time. Yeah. I'm Italian. He's not Italian. I never had a problem with it, nor would I. He's phenomenal. I loved him in Untouchables playing an Italian. I loved him in The Godfather 3 playing an Italian. Um, jo John Leguizamo, who is leading the Latino movement, and I know John. I was in a movie with John. Mm -hmm. I just hung out with John in New York in Harlem when he did uh, his clown show. But I questioned John in the 90s, you played an Italian. Yeah. Summer of Sam, a Spike Lee movie. Mm -hmm. So a black man directed a movie with a poor uh, Ecuadorian, I believe he is, playing an Italian. Yeah. So <laughs> if we're going to say it, let's say it correctly. Now, if the, if the argument is just merely it's because people of color are not getting the opportunities that white actors are. So we're just trying to even out the, the employment opportunity. Okay, that's the conversation. But if it's that a, a, a white person shouldn't tell a story of a person of color, well, then a person of color should not play or tell a story about a white person. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I think John was great in the movie is what I'm saying. I think Spike Lee's phenomenal. I think Andy Garcia is brilliant. I love him playing. I, I, he could be, I would love to have him in a movie. But then again, like some of my friends would go, yeah, but Paul, you're in a, you're in a, you're in a, a privileged position to say that. And I'm like, I, okay. So the <laughs> conversation gets crazy because I'm like, privilege? Yeah. I'm not getting so jobs thrown yeah. at me. You yeah. know, I'm raising money to finance my project. I don't know, man. It, it, it's what I try to do is just, human whatever's fair as yeah. far as james franco playing fidel i i can't phantom to imagine why they made that call with all the amazing latin actors and for what and he was on top of that he was me too so you're talking yeah. about a me too actor who i've heard from people that worked with him he wasn't like that that's what i've heard that he is a good guy and that yeah. he's one of us and um He's a craftsman. So I've heard good things about him, but I was never there or involved. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about a guy me too. And now you're casting him as a Cuban. I, I, I don't know why they made yeah. that call, you know, but <laughs> um, I'm curious to see where this project goes, you know? God, and, you know, since we're talking about like, um, uh, you know, like a famous uh, actors that just like Spike Lee, or, I mean, like, you know, famous uh, celebrities, directors, who were your influences? Like, do you have like a favorite filmmaker, favorite actor that you just admire their work and you hope to someday have like a career like them? Is there somebody that comes to mind? It, absolutely. Well, as far as having a career, like, no, I don't, I, I've missed that boat for the people I admire because I admire first and foremost, Martin Scorsese, yeah, obviously. Definitely. He's he's my my guiding light and influence. Uh, um, Quentin Tarantino obviously is uh, incredible. Uh, as far as actors, I mean Al Pacino is my favorite actor. Um, I I could never have careers like those guys because they've already had forty year careers and I'm too old. But what I could do is have Paul Tully's. Career. 
So where I'm That's at good. today at my age, you know, um, and I think it's a good place for anybody to be is not compare myself to anybody else's careers or anybody else's victories or losses, because we all have our own story. And it sounds cliche, but it's, it's a much healthier way to live because yeah. this business will make you bitter and resentful and you give up. I've seen. I would say eight out of 10 people that I started with have all given up, you know, mm -hmm. they're not doing this. No it is hard, man. It is definitely oh. hard. Cause like, uh, not only because you were constantly getting rejected, but like, again, we, we had to pay the bills and you have to, you know, work for corporate America to get that paycheck. And then, you know, things get crazy with the home life. You have a kid, you know, you get married or, you know, like, it's just, it, be, it becomes impossible to pursue your passions and you get a little bitter. You get jaded that then, you know, that you couldn't work. Uh, continue pursuing your, your passion, whatever it may be. Uh, yeah. But, you know, like, um, you know, I, I went to film school about like 20 years ago and, you know, like I had some successes and uh, nothing that I wished that, you know, I wish I'm going to be 40 soon. You know, I'm like, fuck. And when, when I was like out of high school, I was like, I'm going to be so famous, you know, when I'm a 40 year old man, I was like, I want to be the new Latin Spielberg, you know? But, yeah. you know, like it's just so many, so much adversity going into the in, in the entertainment industry. Um, not only because it's hard, but like also because I'm somebody of color and like when I was, uh, talking to people, uh, they right away put me in the box. It's like, oh, what is your uh, screenplay about? Like, how, what kind of Mac Mexican music do you have in your screenplay? Oh, I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, well, I have Weezer and, you know, Radiohead, you know. Uh, they're already, like, it's just hard because, like, you know, being a minority, they put you in the box. And yeah. um, I do, I mean, for you being, a, like, an Italian-American, are they putting you in the box? I mean, you, you did say that, you know, why are you directing this movie with, uh, you know, um, with an uh, immigrant, yes, but... Listen, man, I refuse to be put in a box. Uh, um, again, no matter what I say on this platform, people are going to say, you're white, dude. You got mm -hmm. white privilege, bro. You mm -hmm. could, only a white man could say they refuse to be put in a box. But I disagree because I study uh, greats like David Goggins that aren't in the film business. I study guys like that. I study um, motivational speakers that I, I study people that have done absurd things and extraordinary things in ordinary life the problem is i believe as artists we, we the truth is we just want to be famous man and we just want to be validated and yeah. right, right when you do that you're a slave to the masters of this business mm -hmm. think outside that box man you're going to be 40 i'm 44 i just mm -hmm. made replica. so you're saying man I, I never went to film school mm -hmm. i don't even know what a 4k is <laughs> started replica brother yeah. nothing so my point is there's nothing that can't be done i'm saying this it has nothing to do with race skin color being put in a box being marginalized dude nobody financed my movie i went out and got the financing once i had that seed investor that believed in me and we were like let's do this boom you know that was sixty thousand. i put it towards a name boom get that name Anyone could do that. Don't matter if you're brown, black, green. Crazy. Anybody's gonna take that paycheck, bro. So you go get a name, and then from that name, you gotta go meet other people, and you gotta hustle. And then that—that's—that's that's the only way I don't know because I can't give a success story. I'm not like a head of a studio, and I'm not yeah. hired by a studio yet. So everything I'm saying, any race could do. Anybody could do yeah. what I did. So it's just yet to late, man. Yeah. It's, it's too late to be it's too late to be a 25 year old heartthrob with millions of money like DiCaprio. Yeah. That's why I tell you I'll never have De Niro's career. <laughs> it's too late. But yeah. I can be a 45 year old Paul Tully who has this story which could blow up and be the biggest thing in the world. Let's face it, doesn't matter if you were big at 25 Christian or if you're getting your work done at 55. It doesn't matter. As long as you get your work done and whatever your mission in life is, my mission is hopefully to inspire through my own life experiences. That's what Replica is. That's what all my films are. So I'm achieving that. As far as will I be fake fame, I learned a long time ago through theater. If you're chasing fame, get ready for an ugly, painful ride. And you deserve that painful ride. Because mm -hmm. that's like someone saying, yo, bro, I'm going to do anything I can to get rich. I'm going to get yeah. rich or die trying. And when you end up in jail and you end up shot because you were like, yo, I'm going to flip keys and I'm going to do drugs because I want them chains and that whole shit that comes with the street life, then you deserve what happens. Well, I say to artists the same thing. Mm -hmm. If you come into this like, oh, I'm going to be 
famous and my mom's going to be so proud and I want to see her cry and I'm going to take her to the Oscars. We all want that. Every single person wants that. So instead of making that your goal, think bigger and outside the box. Like spiritually, why are you doing it? And maybe doors will open and then guess what? Your mom will be by your side and your mom will be proud. And you'll be like, wow, I made it happen. But don't chase fame, man. Chase the work. Chase the. the that's message. very inspiring, man. Like that's very that's very inspirational. I was like, wow, that's a really good pep talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's gonna help out a lot of people who watch this uh, interview because that's very that's very good. That's that's good advice, you know. Yeah, not to overspeak on that. Just for people watching, like think of it like this: whether you make a short film for five hundred dollars or a film for five hundred thousand dollars, whether your film, like, ask yourself: does it really matter that your film's in the movie theaters? on HBO, on Netflix, or that your film got made. Mm. Because if you're doing it just because you want to get that story on on, on film, yeah, that's all that matters. So you're a winner, even if it only went on YouTube. And yeah. it, it got 500 views. You're still a winner. You did it. You got your messages. So if you think that way, you're going to appreciate it. It's like going to the gym, right? When you go to the yeah. gym and you're like, dude, I le- you know, this week I went five pounds heavier. The next week, five pounds heavier. You could look at the guy over there hitting 400 pounds and be like, I'm never going to get there. You can't. That's up to you. Then turn around and leave. Yeah. Or you could just stay with that. Stay with that crime. Stay. And then before you know it, you're going to be that guy hitting the 400 pounds. It's just the process of life. So when people tell me, man, I've been doing this 20 years and I it just didn't work for me because of this. I'm like, all I'm hearing is excuses. Mm. Because there's so many people who've been doing it for less time. And went around it. And then, yes, there are people that just get a ride. You're right. Yeah, they, yeah. they just, they show up. They get the right audition. It happens. Yeah. Um, almost everybody I know that's working earned it. And that's, off. I mean, that's really good, man. Like, that's inspirational. And like, and when, just going back to your, your movie, mm-hmm. um, what was it like? Did Mickey Rourke come to a table reading? Or did they just show up on the set? And I'm like, all right, let's rock and roll. Let's start shooting. Like, how was it directing, like, like a major actor, you know? Like, were you intimidated by it? Were you, like, you know, like, second-guessing your, your choice, your choices? What, what, what was your experience? Uh, good question. So, to go down the line, um, no, he didn't come to – we didn't – we did one table read. Um, and, like, Nikki Totoro, Glenn Plummer, all the more names, James Russo, these are all iconic actors – Mickey Rourke, none of them came to the table read, right? Um, the leads came, you know, and uh, um, basically I went to Mickey's house, took the script. Um, they have their own preparation, especially someone like like Mickey Rourke, you yeah. know, he's been doing this a long time. Um, did I second guess myself? No, I didn't because um, I knew my story well. I knew what I wanted to execute. I mean, obviously you have those like, um, you know, like, oh, wow, the excitement, you know, definitely yeah. have excitement. But um, uh, I think I think knowing what it is you want and if you don't know what you want. Uh, oh, I lost you. That... Can you see me? I'm here. Uh, sorry, I think I was getting a call, so it messed up my computer. Yeah. I don't see you, but oh, there uh, we go. Okay, yeah. So okay, I, cool. think, I think, yeah. I mean, I personally didn't second guess my um, my uh, choices, but I'm also very collaborative. So with actors, because I'm an actor, because I come from the theater, um, you know, uh, the way I work, and I've worked this way on all my all my stuff. My I, I've done three short films that I wrote and directed, and this was my first feature. And on everything I work on, even when I direct plays, uh, I, I love to see actors bring choices, and, and I'm very loose with that. Yeah. So um, it, w- it was a great honor and great pleasure to see all of them. Um, Mickey, everybody, Nick, I, I definitely got to shout out the leads, man. Jeremy, Luke, Alexandra Gray, incredible work. I brought in um, actors that I've worked with before that I consider my team. I have a, definitely, if you watch my movies, you see some of the same actors. Mm-hmm. They're people I've been working with for almost a decade. And uh, just to watch them come in, and even when they were in the smaller scene, just completely steal the scenes. Just completely. Yeah. Just just rock 
the scenes, you know, and you're like, damn, I only gave them like, you know, 10 lines and they're just incredible. And, and, you know, there's something about that. There's something about the theater actor that prepares and breaks down beats and moments. And, um, I, I love watching. Yeah. It sounds like, cause you're, you're an actor and being a director help you communicate with your, with actors. Like you were, you guys were on the same page. Uh, yeah and um what was the schedule like did you shoot for like a whole month or do you guys only shoot like on the weekends like what was it like was it just non-stop until you guys finished it yeah yeah we went hardcore uh we did the impossible man i shot the film in 12 days with a oh, picture oh yeah um, wow it's <laughs> done and run i averaged uh two takes per per two two shots per mm -hmm. uh you know two takes go I mean, some we had to spend a little more time on, but uh, for the most part, um, you know, I would get every, everything in two takes. Um, we, we set up, I mean, we did a great job in pre-production. So it was having the locations. So if we're shooting at this location inside, we're shooting outside for a whole nother location. I see. Yeah. Cause it um, just, yeah. So you won't have to get all the stuff. You just have to go outside. <laughs> or, you know, so, yeah. Right. We already have the trucks pull up, gaffers bring all the gear and, you know, that's all part of scout, you know, uh, at the, the, the location scouting mm -hmm. and, and just planning. So one, one piece of advice I'll give you anybody making their film, even if it's a short film, it, it, it's, it's pre-production is everything, everything from your shot list. If you're mapped out, because you, you're definitely going to have to pivot. You're going to have to pivot each day something comes you know day one it was like i had my lead actor had COVID, and we were like oh my goodness and we had to retest them three times and yeah. negative it was a false positive but i mean that almost shut us down right there like our lead actor is in every scene yeah so you know then we had um a, another actor noel g plays uh but i had i had an actor cast in that that's on a show called the mayans and then they had to pull out for a schedule. Then I cast another actor from a Netflix show. He got COVID on Friday. We started shooting on Monday. So over the weekend, we, we ended up casting Noel. And uh, he came in, didn't have much time to prepare, and just did an incredible job when you see his performance. Like, holy shit. So just having, you know, dedicated people ready Absolutely. to go. And, yeah. Yeah, man, something about like always trying to make a movie, like everything just kind of starts falling apart. It's like there's always like it's like the world's trying to stop you. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like what's going on, you know? Uh yeah, I just I found it very at, humorous. I look at it like a test of of how bad do you want this and how prepared are you? Again, see how I look at things? Because you're right. Most people look at that and go, man, what? Something's trying to stop me. Maybe I shouldn't yeah. be making this movie. No, no, no. I see it like, oh, I see. Who? That's an obstacle because yeah. I got to show how yes. bad I want it. God wants to know how bad do you want this? How prepared are you? Did mm. you just show up and wing it? Or, or did you have this ready? So when Mickey comes, it don't matter to me if it's Mickey, right? Because I'm so yeah. prepared. Yeah, you know, it's like when Mike Tyson talks about getting in the ring. He used to be like, "I'm scared to death." He used to be like, "You know, I gotta take the <laughs> shit. I'm scared to death." Until yeah. the music starts, and then he's like, "Yo, I'm gonna kill this mother." I don't know if I yeah. can tell. You baby, I'm gonna kill this motherfucker. Yeah. Like that's how Mike Tyson's like a beast, right? He's like, "Yo, I'm gonna eat this motherfucker's kid." Yeah. Like he was ready once the fight was on, but all the way up to the fight, he said he was scared to death. Like, what if I get knocked out? What if I get embarrassed? What if I get humiliated? So it's good for all of us. Like, that's why I study people, not just in film, man. When I talk to my, like, actor friends and stuff, they're like, yeah, I, I just listened to this podcast of actors. And I'm like, why do you study <laughs> actors? What's an actor going to teach you in life that Mike Tyson, like, uh, that little gem that Tyson just said, the fact that he gets scared makes me know it's okay if I'm scared. Mm -hmm. He's the toughest motherfucker on the yeah. planet and if he's scared i've been scared to fight growing up so when you think back and go man i was a pussy that day i ran yeah. it's like no everybody gets scared it's what do you do with the fear mm -hmm. be prepared is number one yeah. so i like to learn and i live this artistic life but through the lens of all kinds of athletes business people business you know all kinds of different um disciplines yeah i mean i mean i 
I've been, uh, you know, I've been watching recently a lot of interviews with uh, film directors and, you know, one week I was watching Scorsese and it's just very amazing to hear him talk about like, like his career. And he says, he, till this day, he still gets nervous, you know, going on, on set. I'm like, wow, this is guy, like, this is a professional, this is Scorsese, he's still getting nervous about like, you know, being on set. And that's why he, he prepares, you know, like he, he does everything beforehand. So when he's there, he's just like, if there's like something that needs to change, he already knows how to, you know, uh, maneuver through it. And it's just uh, very inspiring to hear like established, you know, like iconic film directors sound human, you know, they are human, you know, like they all get intimidated and scared, but it's how you handle yourself on set. It's like, you have to puff up your chest and, you know, be confident about it. It's like, Oh, all right, well, we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll get this, uh, the extra, we'll, we'll put the extra as the lead now. Cause we can't, <laughs> the lead, you know, he got in a car accident or something, you know? <laughs> right. Well, I think the minute in any industry, whether you're an actor, a filmmaker, you work at the post office, anybody in life, the moment it becomes a job, Get the fuck out. Yeah. Dude, the moment life is not scaring you, the moment coming into work is not, your stomach's not in knots, and you're not like, fuck, what are you doing, dude? Like, you, you just clocking in? Why? Because yeah. you have to pay your bills? There's other ways to pay your bill. But that again, that's, I don't know everyone's situation. You might have yes. three kids at home. Um, that's another reason I tell people, you know, I didn't start this till my son was like in high school. You know, so for me, my different. son, he got a football scholarship. He's been out on his own since he left for college. Mm -hmm. He just bought his own house in Riverside. I'm alone. I have a dog. And yeah. and I broke up with my ex-relationship because I was like, man, I don't want to have kids. Like, um, not my son's mom. I'm saying, like, yeah. I made sure I, I have my life set to where all I have to do is cover the bare minimum. Mm -hmm. It's important if you're out there and you're like, oh, I want to be and anything you want to do that doesn't pay well, like being an artist, <laughs> being an athlete, you got to be willing to be in the gym for five hours if, you, if you're training to be some kind of athlete to maybe get sponsors later. Because the money's not going to come for us till later. So just setting up your life to be um, realistically affordable to where you can maybe just drive Lyft for a few hours and cover your, your basic yeah. bill. Once you get into kids and a mortgage and it's a different ball game. Then you do have to clock in and you do have to yeah, be at work. Yeah. Unfortunately, like, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, I, I'm glad I'm a gay man. <laughs> I only have fur babies, you know? So my, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't really, my life is different than uh, my, my, my buddy. He, he's a recent father. So his life completely changed, you know? Like, I know I'm not going to really hang out around with him too much now because, like, he has a son and that's his priority. Completely understand it's just how it is, you know? And it's just, yeah. you know, it's, he has to go in and clock, you know, he doesn't like his job, but he does it. <laughs> uh, yeah. But well, you figure it out too, right? It, it's not that he, like, you won't find a passion. You just might have to be a little more strategic, right? Like, mm -hmm. like when my son was little, I went in the military. I mean, yeah, I had to make a decision and I went and I served overseas. I mean, you make decisions. Um, but then as he got older, it's like, Oh, now I could really do things I want to do. So I think, you just maybe have to sacrifice for a little while, you know, until you figure out maybe your friend wants to go back to school and become, and, and that's all possible. I think, I think that's what life is, man. It's not about being a filmmaker or an actor or, or an actor. It's just doing what makes you happy. And, hey, and by the way, if, uh, I have friends that do just, they have nine to fives and they love their nine to five. Like mm -hmm. my buddy, you know, my buddy's a plumber. He loves it. He's yeah, not like, oh, look, I got to clean shit. He enjoys yeah. it. He goes, he, he, he likes helping families every day. That's an honorable thing. He shows mm -hmm. up and uh, my sink just broke. Or, like this morning, I was like, damn it. And I was trying to fix it. I can't. I've got to call a plumber. And I'm like, thank goodness there's plumbers to be like, hey, yeah. dude, I can't even shave now. They're going to fix that. And that's mm -hmm. honorable. And that's And some people do enjoy doing that. So yeah, there's nothing wrong with a nine to five, course. you know? Yeah. I, I completely agree. And what would you say to the naysayers of, uh, you know, of people who were talking to you, like who don't understand what you're doing? What, what, what would you say to uh, people who would say like, you're living in a fantasy world, like making movies and all that stuff. Like you don't bother with those people or do you like actually like tell, put them in their place? Like, well, you know what, this is what I want to do. Um, um, uh, I don't bother with that. I, I don't even, I couldn't even, uh, I wouldn't even comprehend to entertain their opinion. I respect everybody's opinion. 
But if somebody, first of all, I've never had nobody tell me that, but then again, maybe, but let's, let's just say hypothetically, somebody's like, dude, you're a joke, like big deal. Ha, you think you're bad. You, you made a movie with me. I literally anyone saying anything like that has something going on with themselves. So I already am intelligent enough to be like, Hey, you know, I value your opinion. Thank you. Move it on. I don't get in arguments anymore. I'm 44. Um, but, uh, I think that anybody who has that train of thought, I pray on them for them because I know that means they've given up on a dream. Yeah. Because anybody who's accomplished their dream doesn't think that way. So even if, for example, your dream to own a photography store or a gym, my, my buddy owns a gym across the street from my house here. That's where I go. He loves it. He He's fit. You know, he loves getting fit. He loves his business. That guy would never tell me you're living a dream because he's living his dream. So people who are winners and that chase and remember, whether you have a million podcast followers or I don't, I have no idea how many you have, never looked, but whether you have five or five million, dude, mm-hmm. you're doing something. You, you gave me a platform today, which I, I, I appreciate. You're giving audiences something to listen to. Yeah. You're, to Thanks. me, that's a success. There's, It doesn't matter if you're Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan started out. And I think anybody who comes from a motivated, go-getter type of attitude supports each other. Anybody who's not supporting you is just hating and yeah. they're, they're, something's going on in there. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, there's something... Um external like something behind their you know behind it you know it's like where did that come from you know (laughs) yeah and i understand that by the way Uh, believe me many times i've seen friends i have you know but at this point i have friends on most of the tv shows that are out i'm friends with these people i have friends big i'm not like brag i'm saying like because i've been in the business now 15 years so you i have friends that have blown up that i'm like damn like they're way up dude like rich and I and listen, when it happens, it hits you sometimes. Like, but there's a difference of it hurting, as in, oh, man, I missed it. Why not me? Mm-hmm. And then going, good for them. God bless them. It's possible. I'm gonna keep going. Yeah. That's the difference. Yes. When you get, everyone's gonna feel the envy, dude. People say, no, I'm never envious. Like, well, good for you. I get envious. Don't get me wrong. I see a deadline drop, and I have a friend like. Just, you know, landed a like my friend, my friend Gabby, she just booked the series regular. Her whole life is changing. And I'm so proud of her. But there's that. It's only human. It's human to be like, oh, is this never going to happen for me? When my deadline dropped, when Mickey works up, bro, believe me, I got tons of congratulations. And I know the people, this is how petty I am. My friends that didn't congratulate me. People from my theater company, people from Cerritos College that didn't reach out to me, I'm like, really, dude? Because <laughs> you're all, you know you heard about it. Yeah, so all of course. their Instagrams, and I'm like, so I know they're living in that. I know. It's like. Yeah, a little resentment or something like that. or Yeah. And, yeah. and I'm past being like, ha-ha, motherfucker. Like, I, I'm not on yeah. 50 cent type of stuff. Yeah. I'm on like, yo, man, you're going to do it too, dude. If I can, you can not that I've made it, but if I could achieve this little bit of a my dream, you will too, bro. You just got to do the work, Absolutely. and that's all. Yeah, man. Um, and it's um, it really again, it's like your mindset. You know, it's just like either you're sending yourself barriers if you're like, oh, I can't do it because I'm old or like I don't have the money. Like they're like, again, like I'm going back. I was I was watching about a lot of that. Doc- interviews about film directors and everybody from David Fincher to Coppola to Scorsese like you could make a short movie on your phone now like it's totally possible yeah. you know you don't have to shoot it on 16 or 35 like they're like they're advocating us like me it's like to do something you know just shoot it shoot, shoot it with your phone I'm like oh wow, that's really yeah. cool man like so uh yeah it's just uh I'm looking for the right story right now and um eventually I'll I'll start directing a short Let film. me know man any listen and if you want to get involved I got two short films right now I just got pegged to direct um like I said they're short films one shooting in Mexico one shooting in New York mm-hmm. You know if there's anything man if you just want to learn be part of like experience Thank you. I mean, you went to film school so you probably could teach me some things but um you know, um, that's part of it too, man. It's getting involved. Listen, I've always used to preach this in UTM. 
some people would listen some people wouldn't some people it's 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 making yourself available to other people's projects mm-hmm. you know there's like a thing like what are you bringing to the table i've mm-hmm. always been an advocate of that i study the mafia like hard i'd like i'm like a mafia nerd on like studying <laughs> yeah i'm one of those guys that like you can ask me anything about yeah not just the movies i mean like the books the real life stuff because yeah. i grew up in that neighborhood you know yeah. like, that was a real thing in our neighborhood like don like you know uh yes so anyways um what the reason i bring that up is there's so much you learn from that structure alone now i don't want to be in the mob i don't want to kill people or hurt people or break the law but it doesn't mean the way they structured some of their businesses <laughs> weren't so smart and intelligent same with the military i mean they took a lot of their structure from the military so study people that's all i say is don't just study scorsese tarantino uh spike we don't just study people in our craft that's my, that's my advice i'd give out today and i'm not anybody yet but mm-hmm. if you even like some of what i've done or go damn like he did get some success that's how i do it man it's it's not me sitting in just studying actors dude an actor yes i'll study the craft because you got to be able to be a craftsman but i study how successful people get to where they go in all they look at elon musk man there's so much whether good or bad but this dude's innovative is hell you know what i mean like when when you listen to the way he structures his time in his day or nick roll or i mean rich roll or these other motivational people and you just go wow like it's interesting study it all man you know don't box yourself in that i have to study only italian culture or latino culture bro there's so many empires that have existed in the world from the Aztecs to the Romans to the Persians to the like, why would you just study one? And that's another thing with me. I'm very open to all cultures and I want to learn from everybody. Everybody has different family values and structures and patriotism. So I think being a successful person is, is being open to all these avenues. Totally agree, man. Uh, You know, like I've been watching also like um, this, the UK version of Dragon Shark, and uh, it's very entertaining because like they're the film investors are very stuffy. They seem like from Hogwarts, you know what I mean, with their accent. And but the way the 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 people pitch to them is like, wow, they totally screwed it up because they come in arrogant or they don't know their numbers. <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's just like because you know we're selling ourselves. I mean, yeah, they're selling like something for the bathtub or whatever, but it does it doesn't matter. It's like the the way they pitch themselves, you know, and how clear they are. It's like I'm learning how to pitch by watching this show you know and you know it's not there it's not film it's not anything about film, right. but it's they're still selling themselves and how it's like the investors are like i want to work with you because you're you're easy to you know you don't you know you don't look stuck up you're very enjoyable you know i want to work with you it's really they're investing in the person not so much on the product of course the product is a thing but the first thing they always say we're investing in you so you know yeah. you just have to you can't be a jerk when you're talking to people you know you just have to be very very friendly and you know open and yeah, I just don't get like the how directors like could turn out to be like smug bastards, and they're like, you know, I, like I don't get it. You know, there is no room for that anymore. You know, there's no room to be a dick anymore. You know, it's it's easy, man. I I, I went into a meeting um uh two weeks ago, and they fired the director and just offered me the job. Um, you know, so I, I I'm actually I was just getting a call from them, you know, and um I'm deciding if I'm going to take it, but I get where the director was at because I used to be that guy. So I used to be very insecure. And when I was running UTM, I was insecure a lot of times. And a lot of times I would like get in arguments with people because I, I was fearful, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, I think uh, what happens in this business is you work so hard to get a piece of the pie. And when you get a small crumb, it's the, it's the crabs in a bucket. And, yeah. and, and when we get a crumb, we want to hold on to it. And it, sometimes you got to just... Um, be super learn how to be collaborative, which I have learned to do and how to walk in a room and, and play your position. But yeah, like I just watched this director literally give his job to, you know, two wow. weeks ago. And it was crazy. And it was, he opened up the, the floor for um, input on the project. I had come on as a producer and um, I pitched yeah. some ideas just as a producer. And the other producer were like, Oh, 
let's do that. But part of that idea was let's hold this production, raise another 50,000 to shoot this short as a uh, open in the pilot. Yes. And this director flipped out on me. dude. <laughs> Literally. He like wanted to fight me. Not like, but, yeah, like but he was yelling at me. Not. And I, you know, I wasn't intimidated at all because, you know, but I was like, Hey, I'm sorry you feel that way. And uh, he, dude, he left this meeting and uh, they fired him. Wow. <laughs> and so, like, did he feel like he, you were stepping on his toes or something? Is that totally, like what it was? Was I pitched? He asked. We were at a producers meeting, so it was me and other producers, and I was just coming on as what's called like a field producer. So I was going to help them get like some locations and some talent, not even like doing a big. You know, I was just going to have some actors that I have a good relationship with. I was going to, you know, get attached to the project. And um, he asked us for input on it. Like, hey, let's let's talk about some ideas of the script. What are you guys thinking? So I said mine. And mine were to, I don't want to say on, on the podcast. Yeah, the idea I understand. Was, it was a, it's a fantastic idea, if I do say so myself. And it, <laughs> it definitely elevates the script. But what I what pissed him off was I I didn't mean it this way, but I said, listen, I'll bring sixty thousand if if I can bring sixty more thousand to the project through one of my investors. Um, I would just want a co-creator credit because I changed yes the script, understandable, and yeah. um, you know I'll still let you direct. I I meant it like most people if they're gonna bring money directors they're gonna want to try to direct. And I said, I'll still let you direct. Like, in other words, I'm not trying to take your job. Dude, he went crazy. That's... He was like, what'd you say? You're going to let me direct? He slammed the table. <laughs> I would love to see that. I, it, was, I want... <laughs> it was awesome. But the reason I'm laughing is because I used to be kind of that kind of guy. And so I knew the reason I'm saying is I knew where he was coming from. And I understood like, yeah. first of all, dude, you got insecure because and he has never directed anything yet. That's why. So for him, it was like yeah. this was his opportunity. And I was trying to take it, but he gave up his job, which is like, wow. You know, yeah. so. There's ego. Yeah, that sucks, ego. man. Like, uh, hopefully people will learn from, like, when they grow, they get older, they start, you know, maturing. But sometimes some people don't, you know, and it sucks for them, you know. It's just, it is, yeah. it is what it is for them. It's you know? part of the journey, man. Like you said, it's learning to talk to people, learning to be open. And, um, you know, we all have to learn it, you know? Yeah. So, We're on the same boat, business man. is full of that. That's what I'm saying, man. It's like, I don't even think just a business life is full of that. Like, you know, um, when I was in the military, man, you're, you know, your commanding officer, they yell at you. They, they, they make you fucking mop the decks. You know what I mean? I remember in boot camp. I had this RDC, he was African-American, and he, he would do inspections on us. And I have a hairy chest, you know? Uh. So I remember one time he was like, what are you, one of those Italians? And saying Italian is offensive. That's oh. a slur. It's Italian. So people used to go like, you know, those Italians over there. So he literally offends me in line, you know, we're informing. Then he tells me, he pulls my shirt down and makes me go shave my chest. Says I'm too hairy. My people are too hairy. So, yeah. So, you know, you know what I did? I shaved my chest (laughs) because I'm in the military and that's the job I picked. And I stayed quiet and I played the game because that's a game. It's breaking me down. Yeah. By the end, when I was bulked up and we graduated, he also shook my hand and, you know, and it was like, it was so emotional. And he didn't call me shitbag no more. You know, he called me, you know, shipmate, which means like <laughs> shipmate in the Navy means like brother. So it was break us down to build us up. And yeah. that's, that's how life is. And some people's egos are too big to be broken down or to be put in check or to yeah. play their position. Everybody wants to be the chief, you know, and, um, so I think the military helped me in that. So I'm able to do that in life sometimes. There's a difference of being a coward and and playing your position. Total huge Two different things. Some people can't swallow that, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that was – what a great interview. I got to tell you, man. Like, Paul, I mean, I appreciate you coming on my show. 
you got to where can people follow you, man? Do you have like uh, Instagram, Facebook, please, YouTube? Please follow me, man. Please follow me. I'm at uh, P Tully UTM on Instagram or Paul Tully on Facebook. Um, replica, you could Google Replica by Paul Tully. Uh, the film right now is in the middle of distribution deals. So once we select the deal that we're going to take, then we'll know where the film. That's why I couldn't let you yeah, share the trailer. Yeah. Although I want, I want your people to see the trailer is yeah. great. Um, I just um, we're not allowed to yet until we get a home. So say like you know Netflix buys it, then they they share the trailers and yeah. do all. And you'll have the link and all that. And of you know course. once once you do have the link, we'll put it on Casually Christian or you know our platform so people check it out. Be uh, great. You know? And that would be awesome. And when you, if there's a premiere, please invite me. Of course, <laughs> I would love to, uh, you know, watch the movie, uh, you know, like in the theater with you. That would be awesome. That would be so fun. That would be sick. Uh, but yeah, yeah man, for sure. Uh, thank you for coming on the show, dude. It was very enjoyable to talk to. Very inspirational too. Uh, you. You're you're a good person. I hope I could see like a bright future, like in your in your filmmaking career. Like it's 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 gonna happen, dude. I think this is just the stepping stone to better things. Same, same for you, man. And and I'm here to support anything I could do, you know. Thank you, um, Paul. I'm here for you. I appreciate it, dude. Well, I'm gonna let you go. I'm gonna close out the show. And uh okay. uh yeah, thanks guys for you know watching uh casually Christian today. I really appreciate it. If you guys wanna double up your own podcast, please hit up my friend Emmanuel Alvarado at his company li live stream my event. He'll set you up in the same way and uh he'll hook you up. Uh, well, if you haven't already, please follow us on Facebook, YouTube, and Spotify. Uh, so, well, until next time, folks, that is our show. I'll see you guys for our uh, midweek update soon. And, uh, you know, have a good weekend. Bye, guys.